opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. It's about trust. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. Your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she privately mediates business, employment, divorce, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI. She also trains corporate leaders powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about this show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Samari, who's your guest today? Well, today we have a wonderful guest. She is the author and of this wonderful new book called The Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. She is Corey Kogan, and she is co-author with Adam Merrill and Lena Rhine, and this is just a terrific new book. And let me tell you what uh, one of the testimonials, it says, a very timely book that fits a real need in these turbulent but opportunity-rich times. And that was Steve Forbes, uh, chairman and editor-in-chief of Forbes Media. So let me tell you a little bit about Corey. Corey is Franklin Covey's global practice leader for productivity, focusing her research and content development around time management, project management, and communication skills. She is one of the authors of The Five Choices to Extraordinary Productivity, also Project Management Essentials for the Unofficial Project Manager, and Presentation Advantage Work Sessions. Corey brings more than 25 years of business expertise from frontline positions to an executive team member. And prior to being with Franklin Covey, Corey spent six years as Executive Vice President of Worldwide Operations for Alpha Graphics, Inc. She was responsible for teams and projects that help franchises franchisees start up their business, develop staff, and reach profitability. She led the implementation of ISO 9000 globally, and she managed the installation of the first company-wide global learning system. Corey's well-known for the ability to provide practical application and logic that consistently motivates people to take action. And in 2005, Utah Business Magazine honored Corey as one of the business women to watch in Utah. And then in 2012, she earned a certificate in the Foundations of Neural Leadership from the Neural Leadership Institute, of which she's an ongoing member, and she comes to us this morning from Tucson, Arizona, which is where my husband grew up. So thank you so much for joining us, Corey. 
So thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, I've been really enjoying this book. And, you know, our genre for this show is conflict healing and dealing with issues of how to be more effective. And if you are making good choices and being productive, you're less stressed, right? And if you're less stressed, you're more likely to have less conflict because you're more mindful. You're more in tuned with making those good choices. So I thought this was a perfect thing. And I've really been enjoying this book. So tell us, you know, why is it that you wrote this book? Well, you know, Franklin Covey has been the leader in, in productivity for many, many, you know, almost 30 years. And, um, you know, a few years ago, we looked at the current landscape of the workforce and family and stuff like that and said, you know, things have changed. And so we started to, you know, really uh, dig into our research. And we came up with, you know, uh, some, some new ideas, new, new things that were happening in the workforce place based on technology and stuff like that. And so we uh, built out the five choices, and we felt this was a book for everybody. Um, and, and we're in 150 countries, so we write for everybody, both in large organizations, small organizations, and home. And uh, it's very timely uh, with the uh, amount of um, you know, technology and distraction and all that kind of stuff is just crazy out there. So this is a practical how-to guide uh, to really help people feel accomplished at the end of every day. Yes, and we are on such overload. I know for me, you know, if I'm try to be mindful, this is this is my New Year's resolutions <laughs> this year, is to really be mindful about what I'm doing. You know, obviously to to take some time to go within, but to be mindful about what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, the whole emotional intelligence, and making wise decisions, and just kind of managing all these things. So your book is perfectly in line with some of the concerns that I. I've been having as I feel that I am on information overload. So what are some of the significant challenges that people face today that that are different from 30 years ago that that you see? Well, you know, we started by saying that uh, with a paradox, and we said it's both easier and harder than ever to achieve extraordinary productivity. And it's easier. I mean, the technology has made it so much easier. I mean, it's just wonderful uh, what the technology can, I mean, look, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, I always like to say there's 16-year-old CEOs out there, uh, yeah, you right. know, because they can and, um, with the technology we have. And yet it's harder because it's created this unstoppable unbelievable flow of information, demands, etc. And what we said was, okay, uh, let's unpack that harder, and what are those challenges today that might be different than they were 20 or 30 years ago? And we came up with three of them. The first problem we said we have is we are making more decisions than we ever have before. And uh, just even listening to, to and knowing who you are and your role, you and me and so many, over half the workforce, is paid to think. Yes. And uh, not manual labor anymore, not widgets. And so decision-making, we have a million things coming at us, and we're asking our brain to sift through everything and try to get the right things done. So that's problem number one and probably foundational. On top of that, while our brain is trying to make the right decisions instead of mindlessly just trying to handle everything that's coming in, our attention is under unprecedented attack. So the dings, the pings, the blue screens, all of that, 
our brains love it, and they love the novelty. It's the way we survive. It's, our brain is built to help us survive, and so it goes towards those things, and it likes things that it, uh, you know, feel, it likes to feel needed and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, a big distraction. Our attention is under attack. And last, we're suffering from an energy crisis. We're yes. just plain worn out because the eight-hour day is now really a 24-hour day in many cases for people, uh, again, enabled by the technology. So those were the three challenges that we said really are the, the time management challenges of the 21st century. Absolutely. I could relate to each one of those. And I think the energy depletion is is why we need to re-energize in ways that, that people aren't used to, you know, especially the young people. I mean, I am pretty tethered to my electronic devices. And in fact, even at night when I, I use that as my alarm, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing on my new phone, I'm hearing every time an email comes in in the middle of the night, I'm thinking, oh my God, I have to change this on my phone. <laughs> but, but we're just tethered to these electronic devices. And we see people in the workplace that, you know, while they're talking, when you talk about distraction, while they're talking, they're also looking at, at their iPhone or, or their tablet or whatever it is. And it's just so distracting. It's And the young people are trying to multitask and do all of this at once. And you just wonder how they can make the kind of really informative choices about what they need to do when they're so distracted, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, you claim that the secret to feeling and being highly accomplished and probably less stressful is consciously making these five choices. So let's kind of go through what these five choices are in kind of a like an appetizer of your book, okay? Yes. So the five choices is the process to master the skills of decision, attention, and energy management. Choice one, act on the important, don't react to the urgent. The process in there is what we call pause, clarify, decide to get your greatest return on the moment. Intentional, conscious decision-making is a process in there that will help you discern the urgent from the important and pause, clarify, decide to make the best choice. Choice two um, is go for extraordinary, don't settle for ordinary. It's the second half of decision management, and what we want you to do is create your life wheel. Choose the, a few of your most important roles or, uh, in your life right now, write them down, evaluate how you think you're doing in them, and then create a short vision of success for each one of those. I, I can only handle four. I wouldn't go beyond five. You have other roles, but just keep them to the really important ones. And then your brain will see those vision statements as targets, so it allows you to make really good decisions as everything's coming at you to fulfill those roles. Choice three, schedule the big rocks, don't sort gravel. It's about attention. It's about um, making the third, what we call the 30-10 promise. 30 minutes before the week starts to get the big rocks right into your calendar, the most important things, and 10 minutes at the end of the day to be vigilant about managing your calendar and adjusting it for the next day. If you do that, the research shows that you will increase the probabilities of accomplishment by 2 to 300%. 
Choice four, rule your technology, don't let it rule you. That's a big um, one. <laughs> I heard you on that one. And that one is you want to get a hold of that technology addiction that we were sort of talking about. Get really conscious and intentional. Use your thinking brain to really understand, I sh- you know, I don't have to pick up my smartphone like a pack of cigarettes. That's number right. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, then follow in the book the processes for really taking your gadgets and your email and stuff like that and turning all of that into a productivity engine and then detox all those apps you have on your phone and find the few that really make sense for what's important to you. I hear that all the time. I got a hundred apps. I don't use them. And then choice five, fuel your fire. Don't burn out. Sustainable energy. Pick one or two of the five energy drivers that we uh, mentioned, move, eat, sleep, relax, connect, because by doing those well, you're giving your brain large doses of oxygen and good glucose which then allows you to have the mental energy to make high-value decisions and stay focused in the midst of unprecedented distraction. So there's your five choices. Oh, it's beautiful. And I love what you said in that first one about pausing. I think a lot of people do these knee-jerk reactions, right? You talked about act on the important, don't react to the urgent, and you know to really be pausing. And so many people don't pause. You know, they they hear something and think, oh, I got to react right this very second. And I think that's something that um, that I encourage, even when people are in, um, you know, in conflict. And I'm sitting there in the midst of people in a big conflict and trying to talk about them. And someone will make an offer and the other one goes, absolutely not. You know, instead of pausing and saying, well, part of that I can live with, but this is the part that I can't live with, you know, thinking things through. And I think, you know, because we're on, you know, instant, everything is supposed to be instant, that people feel they have to respond immediately. And, and I know I have clients, if I don't respond within 10 minutes to their text or their emails, they're going, why didn't you answer me? So I had to put into my my retainer agreement that I will, me or someone will get back to you always within no less, no more than 24 hours. Yes, yes. <laughs> because when you have a, a bunch of clients that are asking for things, you, I usually do it in a lot less than that, by at least by the end of the day. But, but I think that's the thing is that people expect Expect instant response, don't you think? I do, and there's a couple of things in there. Uh, you know, you have, and we spend some time in the book without overloading people's circuits, giving some really easy explanations of this around the brain science. Brain is in two parts: the thinking brain, the reactive brain. The reactive brain, everybody knows it when you when you get in touch with this. When you're driving to work on the California freeways, uh, the car knows how to go by itself while you're busy thinking about dinner. Right. That's your reactive brain at work. And it just mindlessly takes things in and routinizes things. And it will respond instantly. It wants to take over because it's helping you survive. And so people just, you know, do things as it's coming in. Also, the urgency of all of that, the dopamine response, the reward, I'm going to respond right now. And so people are, by for survival, like in one of your mediation sessions, when they're responding like that, it is survival. It's the back of their brain that's taking over. Right. And it's really important. Important that, and when you get conscious of this, it's and you you can retrain your brain to really get mindful to 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 use the executive function where you are intentional, so people can be retrained 
to pause and think because before their amygdala and everything gets inflamed and they go on the defensive, it's amazing if we just try that and count to 10 before we respond or decide if we should do that email right now can be a game changer in your life, let alone every day. Yes, yes. And you know, Corey, one of the things that, that I teach when I teach, you know, negotiation and mediation, because as a mediator, you know, conflict is contagious. So we have to really control ourselves first as, as mediators. We can't react when, right. when they're so getting in touch with their body helps them to pause, you know, because usually when someone has this immediate response, something is happening in their body. Their body is is either, you know, feeling it in their shoulders or they're feeling it in their solar plexus or something like, oh my God, you know, this is what I have to do in their body response. So when they can really feel that in their body and breathe into it and take that pause breath, just taking a few deep breaths and letting it out, and that gives them that pause. I think people don't know how to pause. That's exactly right. And that's why, even reading the book, uh, you, you know, you'll get some things in there that it just shows and gives you some techniques to just stop, just pause. Uh, and, and everything you just described is the stress response. It's right. a survival response, and it is a bodily response when you're put on the defensive or in a mediation situation yep. where, you know, the oxygen and the blood is, your heart rate increases because, you know, there's a saber-toothed tiger coming, and that's right. what we were built for, <laughs> right. not for this human thought of mediation and reasoning. And so the better we get at quelling that stress response by counting to 10, taking in a few breaths and just pausing the the better performance we will do and the happier we will be actually exactly and when we think about emotional intelligence when somebody says something that we don't like it doesn't mean that we have to quote buy it right we're just all we need to do is just listen to it and hear it and not yeah i'm sorry go ahead no that's okay i'm i'm laughing because i you know i'm i'm originally from new york city and i've been outside the city for many years and as a leader as an executive i've had to always watch my reactive new york self um <laughs> and it is uh, it takes work because again your amygdala flames and uh you just have to really really just take a second to let it just calm, you know? Yes, yes. And and it's a, like a habit, you know? It's like developing, like you said, you've had to, from living in New York City and that kind of life, and I, I lived in New York myself for a while and from Chicago originally, so I get it. But, you know, and, I, and the fact that I'm with people in conflict all the time, I can see them when they're just ready to fly off the you yeah. know, the handle, okay? And then I'll just, I have a bell. <laughs> I actually have like this Asian bell that I have and that when I see that coming, I ring the bell and no one's allowed to talk until the bell stops ringing just to give that pause that, that they are not always in charge of. They right. just, they don't have that ability that you've developed as a habit and that I have developed as a habit is to just stop and say, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? Let it go. Breathe right. into it. Listen. Make a reasoned response. I don't want to react. I want to respond. And and that, I think, at least for me, that is just in every, everything I do all the time. I see people just not doing that very important thing that really 
I think it's helpful to understand that they have to do it and, and find their way of how they can make that pause. What works know, for them? Yes, yes. And, 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 and the good news is, uh, you know, it's hard work, but it can be done. Yes. That's, uh, that's the great news. Every human being has the capacity to get a hold of that and pause, clarify, decide. Um, and it's really, I'm, I'm grateful when I do it because I am not perfect. And there's times, you know this, you let the ketchup out of the bottle and you can't yeah, put it back in. Exactly. You react and uh, you wish you could take it back. But the good news is, uh, w- w- you know, you can control it. And I would say that goes to choice five, fuel your fire. The better you do really exercising and eating right and keeping your stress down, the better your energy is to be able to mitigate those responses. When you're worn out, and people know this with their spouses, their partners, you know when you're worn out, this is not a good time to be having a conversation with me because you know you're going to lose it. But the healthier you are, the more capacity you have to uh, make that pause. Exactly, exactly. And and I know that I've been reading a lot on mindfulness since I'm going to be doing a big program for attorneys on mindfulness. Mm. And, and I've been a meditator myself for many, many years. And it isn't just meditation. It's really being mindful of of being kind of an observer of what you're thinking, feeling, and about to do. <laughs> right. And and I think it's 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 a it, you have to get into a habit. It's like it's like getting up every morning and brushing your teeth. That's a habit. And you right. have to get into the habit of being mindful and emotionally intelligent about what you're doing. Because if you are, then it's easier to do all these other choices that you have suggested because you're mindful about it. That is exactly right. Choice two, three, four, and five are the outcomes, if you will, of being very good at choice one. They are important things. They don't have the urgency of adrenaline that's going to push you to do your role statements and do your planning every day. But if you can really be mindful and understand what needs to be done, then you will execute on those other choices. So that was a a great comment you made. Yeah. So, you know, there's a myth that you some people work better under pressure and I don't know what you think of that, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I've, I've learned, that people who do a lot seem to be able to do more. And I don't, it's not always the best, but if you give some, uh, a, a task to someone, like on committees, right? right. <laughs> I've noticed this. If, if I give a task to somebody on a committee who doesn't have a lot to do, they seem to do less than those who are doing other things, maybe because they're more organized or maybe because they have that intention or what is it. But I think that kind of goes a little bit with that that myth of, of that kind of balance of do we really work better under pressure or are we able to do more if we're organized? What a great way to phrase all of those questions. We need about three hours to really analyze through that together. But <laughs> in, in, in a moment, um, so when people are like, yep, okay, give me, the, I'm, I'm ready, give me the next one. Uh, so there is, and we say this in the book, there's an even return on investment. For the person who is crisis-oriented, you know, I can put out fires, I can do it all now. So there's even return there. When um, some, you know, you could take that, now that same person might have a conversation with me and say, my boss is killing me, they keep dumping stuff on me, I keep doing it. But the problem is, 
They're so good at what they do, you just keep giving them more. And sometimes it's for a lack of a, conversa- a, lack of a conversation that you're headed to a, sh- a short-term ending with that person. Right. Um, so, so somebody needs to start that conversation. Um, and I've done that in my, in my past where I just give people, you know, I have great people. I keep giving them stuff until they, you know, cry uncle right. kind of thing. <laughs> right. now, now, that same person can be really organized. And and do the same stuff, maybe with a little more time. And here's what I know for sure: that even though they're very good at what they do, if they stop acting in urgent, you know, one test after the other, at the last minute, all this kind of stuff, and they do a little more planning and probably say no a little bit more, the quality of their work will go up. I know that personally. If I wait to the last minute, 100% of the time, my work is not my best work. But if I put a little space in there, it is my best work. And I am known as somebody who gets a lot of stuff done. But I'm not an urgency addict, and I, I've rewired myself to do better planning. So when I, you know, depending on the degree of what the work is, I am doing better work. Now, so, there's a third person you mentioned who is like, yeah, you know, they do some stuff. That person might not be the best person. They're doing some stuff, but is it high-quality work? Are they able to really, are they organized enough that they can do a lot of work, high-quality, in a well-planned way? So um, those are all the questions that need to be asked. Yes, yes. And I, and I think the, the whole mindfulness, again, when you're the type of person that will take on work, and I, I can feel like you're like me, you know. <laughs> and, and I know for myself, as I've gotten older, I've learned, and it's, I'm still not great at this, is being able to watch boundaries and say, you know, I would love to help you with this. I would love to do that. But, you know, I really need to let go of that. I can't do it. I mean, I I have other things I have to do. And, you know, I think that just being mindful enough to say no in a way that's a positive no, you know, so that you don't get a boss mad at you or you don't get somebody mad at you. It's just say, I can't do this, but I could do this. And and that's a function of getting so clear on what we call quadrant two from the time matrix. Get so clear on what's important uh, in combination with choice two in my roles in my life at work at home. If you get really clear on that, then you pause, clarify, decide, you're going to make better decisions about what to say no to. I see people who come up to me after a keynote or something, and they'll say, you know what I realize? I'm helping everybody with everything because I haven't really been clear enough about what important looks like. Yes. And I need to really draw the line in the sand with that so then I am able to turn to somebody, and I'm a nice person, so I want to help people, but I'm able to turn to somebody and say, you know what, I'm working on this project, it's really important I get this done, you know, can we talk tomorrow at 10 a.m.? So right. that's a real key in there to saying no. Or just saying, you know, I've learned to say, you know, I can't do that speaking engagement, but you know what? I know someone else who can help you with that, and let me give you that person's name and number and try and actually wean myself from it. So, you know, in the past, I would say, oh, I can't give that up. I can't give this up. I can't do all these things. But it's really, like you said, it's really getting clarity, and it's having that vision of where am I really going, and I think that's not always easy, especially for young people. I know I have a daughter who, um, you know, has a very 
exciting job that she has, but she feels like it's not really fulfilling, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know where she's going. And I think a lot of the young people really don't know have that, and I think it is um, great for young people to read this book, too. Well, yes, and that's why I always uh, make this uh, point, but in choice, too, when we talk about roles, I am asking people to think about their roles in life today. Who are you today? Uh, not 10 years from now, you know, not in the past, but right. right now. And so thinking about your daughter, whatever her roles are, you know, at work, it, it would be interesting to see as she thinks about in her prefrontal cortex, right, her role at work. Do, is there, and this is rhetorical, but is there passion in there? Is there purpose? This is Dr. Daniel Pink's work, right? right is right. there anything left in there? And if there is, then so what's my outcome for the year? What is it that I want to accomplish? So I do go to sleep at night feeling accomplished in this role. And if not, if she if it's like, you know what, there's nothing there. And I actually had that in a personal role for me last year, which is very painful, but it's a good exercise to go through. And then that will help her understand, okay, what does passion look like in a role that I want to be in professionally? And then how do I, how do I, go, how do I go after that? Um, so, you know, that was a good example. Yeah, and I think what you said is so important about saying, what do I, you know, where's my passion now? Because as I look at your bio and I look at my bio, look at how we've evolved. You know, my passion before has evolved to different passions and that in this society, we can change things. And so we don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, if, you know, I, can I, can I change in the future? You know, we, it is where we are now, but we are, believe it or not, out of time. That was so great. You're wonderful, Corey. So, um, I just want to have you give us your website and the name of your book, and then it's time for us to go. All right. Well, the name of the book is The, the Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity. It is in bookstores, uh, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and the website is www.thefivechoicesbook.com. Well, thank you, Corey. You're wonderful, and we'll stay in touch. Can't wait to hear more about your books in the future, so thank you. And your programs, too. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org. On the net, I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.